You're listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please feel free to contact us by visiting our website, harvestoakville.ca. And as you're sitting down, you can please grab a Bible and turn to um, Proverbs chapter 24 is where we're starting. This is, Lord willing, our second to last week in our series called The Worth of Wisdom, going through really the treasure of the book of Proverbs and the real essence of the message within this uh, too. Um, just before we get into today's message, I'm going to need some grace from you today. I just had a cough that's been one of those irritating things that is it's hard to speak and, and uh, just has caused me to be the last two services. People are very gracious. But anyways, just thanks for your grace on that and getting through it. And um, God's been kind in, in that way too. But I have to cough and stuff. I'm sorry. All right, I'm sorry. That's just the way things are going right now. All right, so we're looking at this today in the book of Proverbs, wisdom of four the home. Now, as we look at wisdom for the home, I want to remind you that in the context of Proverbs, and especially in the first several chapters of Proverbs, the context is a father speaking to a son. The father is pleading with the son or exhorting the son, and there's a great longing of the father to reach the son on the issue of of wisdom. Now, why is the Father doing this? And then I remind you too, ultimately it's God the Father who's doing this to us all right now through the book of Proverbs, not to mention everywhere else in Scripture as well. So many, I've been so sensitive to wisdom within the Word of God these days, and it's so vast, the exhortations to saying walk in wisdom and grow in wisdom. I mean, just in the book of Revelation, in the midst of the most trying times, the tribulation of the world is ending, it says here's a call for wisdom. Here's a call for wisdom. Like wisdom helps us see and live according to what God has for us. It's so vital. So God the Father is calling for wisdom, and then in the context of Proverbs, the Father is calling for wisdom to his son, and why does he do that? Because he understands that at the end of the day, wisdom changes everything. When we started this series, I explained my heart for each of you as pastor of this church, and it was this, that I want wisdom so much for your life, because wisdom saves us from such unnecessary pain, unnecessary heartache, and unnecessary misery. Wisdom is so valuable, it's so important, it's so powerful. And that's why in Proverbs 4, 7, the Bible says, whatever you get, get wisdom. I mean, whatever you do in this life, if you're going to go through it, you're living this life, get wisdom, get wisdom. And whatever you get, get insight, it says in Proverbs 4 as well. Because wisdom changes everything. And particularly today, this is true as it relates to the home. Wisdom in the home. All the difference of God's wisdom being the foundation of our homes, being the furniture we sit on, and being the fragrance that we smell through our spiritual nostrils as we walk through this life in Jesus Christ. This is what we're going for. Oh God, may it be so. Would you give us a hunger and a desire for wisdom? Because men and women in their homes fired up for wisdom, look out and see what God is going to do as we take God at his word and more wisdom is there and it leads us on his path. We will see strength, We'll see blessing, we'll see fruit, because this is what the Lord promises to give with a heart that desires wisdom. Now, I hope so much that we have been just, just inundated with these truths. I hope right now you are seeking wisdom, searching for it, praying about it, desiring it, wanting to find it in God's Word. I just pray it's getting through. How foolish could we be if we heard all of this from the Lord and did nothing about it? Oh, God, I pray. And I got to pray right now, because I'll tell you, and I can't do this, and neither can you. But he can, and if we know Jesus Christ, he lives in us, and that's where the 
excitement and the opportunity comes from. So that's why, Father, I pray right now, and I will not take for granted this opportunity again. Jesus Christ, you say, apart from you, we can do nothing. So that's pretty clear. So we can't listen apart from you right now, Lord. We can't have faith apart from you right now. We can't apply this truth in our lives apart from you right now, Lord. We will not bear fruit apart from you, but in you, wow, the sky's the limit. So again, as I, 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 just, I just beg you each week, Lord, and Father, you love us so much. You love us, you love us. You continue to speak to us. You care for us. I love this church so much. I love the people in this church so much. I feel so blessed and so honored to do this, but then I marvel at your love for this church, your love for your people, that you call them back to yourself because you love them and you love them. A love without condition, a love that gives the righteousness of your son and his perfect life to live within us. There's nothing we can do to earn the truths of the gospel. It's a gift of grace, and your love for them will transform them. And I pray that will happen to each of us, transform me and transform us today as a church. We love you, Father, back. We love you, Father, back. And may you ignite hearts and fan into flames such desire and affection for you, for wisdom that results in your glory. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Why is wisdom in the home so important today? Here's the first reason. Because it leads to a home that is strong. Wisdom in the home is so important because it leads to a home that is strong. Check out Proverbs 24, verse 3. This verse sets up our whole message. Proverbs 24, verse 3 says, By wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established. Look at verse 4 now. By knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. The first phrase in verse 3 is amazing. By wisdom a house is built. By wisdom a house is built. By wisdom. By wisdom a house is built. Each time I read that phrase this week in my study, my heart was excited and was filled with the light. Even as I say it now, it's the same thing. I get excited. My heart is filled with the light. Why? Because the Spirit of God within me knows that truth to be true within my life, within God's church, within our lives as well. So here's another call in chapter 24, verse 3, another call to the point of this entire series. Loved ones, don't ever underestimate the value of wisdom in your life. Don't ever underestimate the value of wisdom in your life and today in your home. By wisdom, a house is built. Foolishness disregards this. Wisdom takes it for all that it's worth. See, we must see and understand. And by the way, when we see and understand, that's wisdom. And wisdom knows that wisdom affects every word we speak, every thought we think, every action that we take. So just imagine then, if that's wisdom, considering every thought and action and word that we speak, consider then a home that is filled with wisdom. Consider the blessing that is found. Consider the joy that is known. Consider the words of edification and encouragement that are there. Wisdom changes everything in our lives and in our home. Consider then, conversely though, a a, a home not filled with wisdom, a home filled with foolishness. Think of the hurtful words that are spoken. Think of the dumb decisions that are made. Think of the error and judgment in so many ways in pursuing things that actually hurt us and, and wound us and break up families and whatnot. See, wisdom is so valuable because wisdom is the strength that we find within our home as it leads us to the path and the glory of Jesus Christ. Now, I've been around, I've been around construction in my life just enough, not a lot, but just enough to know the value of the engineering behind a solid foundation. 
Wisdom is our strength, and wisdom becomes the foundation of our homes within our lives. Now, I've been around construction just enough, not a lot, but just enough to understand the importance of support beams in a structure or, or support pillars found within a home. Now, I've been around construction in my life just enough, not a lot, but just enough to understand when the town officials come and they inspect the building to make sure that the strength is there, to make sure it's been done properly, to make sure corners have not been cut, to make sure that this house will stand. What we learned today, any home will rise and fall depending on the strength of the structure found within. This is the role of wisdom within our lives. The role of wisdom is helping us to see that if we don't have wisdom in our homes, our house will be weak. But when wisdom is there, it provides strength and support, and we are established in the Lord's work and the Lord's will. That is the value of wisdom. It undergirds our lives. It establishes our homes. It sets us on a path to the glory of God. Again, wisdom is everything. And I trust, I trust that you're as hungry for wisdom as ever, because how much more does God need to say to us? We have been pummeled with evidence. We have been overwhelmed with incentive. We have been drenched with truth. And here we go again today. By wisdom, a house is built. By understanding, it is established. In verse 3, the inference is wisdom brings security to a home. Wisdom brings stability to a home. Wisdom brings safety within the home as well. But notice it doesn't stop there. Notice verse 4. Verse 4 is amazing too. It says, by knowledge... The rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. So this is beautiful. Here's why I love God's word so much. We're learning here in verse 3, wisdom is the structure of the home. But in verse 4, wisdom is the decor of the home, the decor of the home as well. Now I appreciate good structure of a home, but I also appreciate the interior decorating of a home as well. Now, this might be because when I was in junior high, my mom was studying to be an interior decorator. And I remember on the dining room table, I remember specifically all her stuff and all her architectural designs out there and all the plans of understanding how things go together and color palettes and whatnot. And I was not really interested, but I interested just enough to go and look. And then, but I was interested in the application of this understanding and how it relates to a home. And I think through the years, I've really grown to appreciate the value and the beauty of a nicely decorated home or a building or whatnot. I've appreciated, again, a decor in this way, but here's what I love so much. Wisdom builds a home, but wisdom also fills a home as well. The Bible tells us, with precious and pleasant riches. So you and I must love wisdom because it impacts both the external of the home and the internal of a home as well. So when I walk into a beautifully decorated home, it causes me to, to, to feel good. I just, I appreciate the beauty and I feel good inside. That's beautiful. That looks nice. Or a building that's designed a certain way, it makes you feel good. But even more and more importantly, when you walk into a home of wisdom and you pick up the fragrance of wisdom that is there and you see the beauty of what wisdom does, it makes me feel even better. It's not a perfect home. They're not, they're not, they're not a perfect people. They, they, they sin like, just like you and I do, but you have a sense. Wisdom makes such a difference. You walk in and you can sense that God is at work here, that God is moving them, and it just seems right, and it makes you feel good as well. So what stands out for me in verse 4 is the word pleasant. Wisdom brings what is pleasant. Of course, sin is ugly. Sin is hostile, but wisdom is lovely. So you walk into a home of wisdom, there's a sense of it being pleasant. Again, not perfect, but pleasant. It seems right. It seems to be real. How does this happen? Of course, by the grace of God, 
It's by the wisdom of God, through the Spirit of God, bearing the fruit of God. But wisdom makes a home strong. Wisdom, loved ones, understand, again, foundation and also insight. Each room is filled with pleasant and precious things. That's awesome. That's what wisdom does. You want the peace in your home like I do? Wisdom is such a big part of this. I just want to point this out, too, as we speak of wisdom-building homes. Proverbs 14, verse 1 on the screen for you. Check this out. The role of women in this way and the role that they play. Check out this verse. The wisest of women builds her house. Women, the role that you have, I mean, some of the strongest men of God have been raised by the greatest women of God. That's so true. And just the appreciation, the wisdom that women can bring to build a house within. I love that. But notice this. But folly with her own hands tears it down. But see, but the importance, and I think the Bible includes this. Men, no offense, but the role of a woman filled with wisdom is incredible within the home. And the Lord is making that clear today in many different ways, supporting and strengthening, and I just love it. It's in the Bible, so I wanted you to see that as well. Wisdom is such a source of strength for the home. It leads us to a home that is strong. Wisdom does this too, number two. It leads us to a home that is blessed. We see a home that is blessed. There's two verses I want us to look at here, and I want you to compare the two and see what's common between them. Turn first to Proverbs chapter 3, verse 33. Proverbs chapter 3, uh, verse 33. Let me hear those pages turning. Encourage your pastor, please. Thank you, thank you, thank you. If you got like an electronic thing, like jiggle it around or something like that, so I can hear that too, all right? Anyways, Proverbs 3, verse 33 Hear the pages turning. Yay! That's so great. Proverbs 3.33. Notice this. We're looking at wisdom and what it leads to in the family and the home. Proverbs 3.33. The Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the dwelling of the righteous. So curse on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the house of the righteous. So the obvious contrast here is wickedness versus righteousness, curse versus a blessing, ultimately wisdom versus foolishness. So the righteous home will reap blessing. The righteous home will reap the Lord's blessing. I love in this verse here, the blessing of the home is not indicated how big your home is or where it's located. The blessing of the home is indicated on the righteousness and the wisdom that is found within. That is very, very exciting. Turn now to Proverbs chapter 20. So remembering what we just read, and Proverbs chapter 20 now, verse 7. Proverbs 20, verse 7. This is a very important verse for anyone who desires to see a home of wisdom and blessing right here. 20, verse 7 says, The righteous who walks in his integrity, blessed are his children after him. The righteous who walks in his integrity, wisdom leads to righteousness, righteousness leads to blessing. Blessed are his children after him. Again, so one of the things I'm always trying to show you in Scripture are models of discipleship. Fear the Lord leads to wisdom. Where there's wisdom... There's righteousness. Wisdom leads to decisions of the Lord. Wisdom leads to righteousness. Loved ones, where there's righteousness, there's blessing. There's blessing. There's great blessing found here. And specifically within this text, where sincere faithfulness dwells, blessing will also dwell. Where genuine righteousness lives from wisdom, so lives blessing. This applies, of course, to the home and the family. What we're seeing here then, one of the greatest gifts that a parent can give to a child is a sincere, authentic pursuit of righteousness in Jesus Christ. 
One of the greatest gifts a parent can give to a child, if not the greatest gift, is a genuine, passionate love of Jesus Christ that is undeniably real. A fantastic example of this in Scripture is found in 2 Timothy 1, verse 5. Now notice here, Paul's speaking to young Timothy, and Paul says, he quotes on his sincere faith. But notice, the sincere, sincere is the most important word there, sincere, authentic, life-giving faith of Jesus Christ in pursuit of him. I am reminded of your sincere faith. Notice, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois, beautiful, and in your mother Eunice, beautiful, I am now sure that dwells in you as well. Again, notice, Paul's talking about the sincere faith, the impact of Lois. Any grandmas in the house? Bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you. Love grandmas in the house, loving Jesus Christ. Man, your impact, you have no idea. His mother Eunice, that is being used here, the sincerity of faith. Now, Lois's faith does not transfer into Timothy's faith, and Eunice's faith, they can't duplicate that. Into, Timothy has to make a decision for himself, but the impact is undeniable that the impact of a sincere faith was undeniable to Timothy's life. And eventually, God used that in some form to bring him to a personal, saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Hey, women, men, especially grandmas and moms right now, man, the model that you live out and, and the wisdom that you seek to use of a sincere faith of the Lord Jesus Christ, that is very, very exciting. This is why I can't tell you how much joy I get when I see a dad or a mom completely transformed by Jesus Christ. I get so excited, and I get more excited watching the kids respond to the change. The kids are so caught off guard, initially often so confused. Man, what's gotten into dad? What's up with dad? Jesus Christ has gotten into dad. That's what's happened, man. What's going on there? I can't understand it. He's so different. What's going on? Jesus Christ is what is so different. The power demonstrated through a sincere life in Christ that is lived out by a parent. Listen, the, the results are guaranteed. No, no. Even if the child responds negatively, what, what is undeniable is the change, is the transformation, is the impact. There's a truth that confronts them. My own testimony is I saw change in my parents that was undeniable. And at first, I didn't want anything to do with it. But I tell you, in my negativity and in my rejection of that, in some sense, deep down on the outside, I was like, whatever. But on the inside, I'm like, there's something real going on over there. There's something real happening there. And it took three or four years later when God bottomed me out in my own self-destruction, but God eventually used that as a massive point. At the end of the day, I knew inherently what they had I needed, what, who they loved, and their God, he was real. And when it came down to it, it was undeniable for me to say, the light they have, I, I need. The love they have, I need. The God they serve, I must serve. The reason they live is ultimately the purpose for my life. Parents, I want to encourage you when you are transformed sincerely in Jesus Christ, it will not go unnoticed. What does God do with that? He's the one who is sovereign, but ultimately you, you be sure the greatest gift that you can give to your children is a personal, passionate pursuit of an authentic life of love found in Jesus Christ. So parents, what's the first thing you're working on when raising a child? The answer is yourself. That's wisdom. Wisdom knows your life must be changed before you're going to see anyone else's life change. Before you seek to change your kids' parents, change yourself. Change yourself. One of the worst things we can do is to heap rules of legalism upon our kids when we ourselves are living hypocritical lives. Do not do that. One of the great wisdom of a parent, the parent sits there and gets down to the level of the children, whatever age they might be, and lets them know the person who needs Jesus Christ the most today is you. 
We need the gospel as parents. We sin every day. We're the ones who are in desperate need of Jesus Christ to take our sins away. We mess up. We must admit our faults. We must help our parents to see our need for Christ so they can see their need for Christ as well. The worst thing we can do is sit over top of them all the time and just pummel them with rules and condemnation and disapproval. Lead, of course, instruct. Yes, what I'm saying is though the humility of love, of an authentic pursuit of Jesus Christ that lets the kids see that with Wisdom is in the home as we're all pursuing Christ together. That is the impact and the transformation that will be undeniable. The greatest gift you give to your children is your righteousness in Jesus Christ that can only be achieved, of course, as Christ does it in you, the gift that is there. A beautiful, beautiful relationship. And besides, I remember speaking with a wise man with many older children, and he says, you can't fool them, man. They see it all. They see it all, and that is so true. So what are your kids seeing? What are the children of this church seeing? Parents, let me ask you, do your kids ever catch you, do your kids catch you praying? Do your kids catch you singing to the Lord? I mean, it's so embarrassing for them, but, but, but do they catch you singing for the Lord? Do your kids ever catch you with tears? With tears? Daddy, why are you crying? Uh, it's because I love the Lord Jesus. Daddy, you're weird. <laughs> but listen, they walk away and they know something's happening. It's, it's, it's foreign to them in a good way. Do your kids catch you praying as a couple? Do your kids catch you unashamedly in love with your Savior? And regardless of what they think about that, but do they catch us doing these things as lives that are authentically causing us to live what's real in Jesus Christ? Or do they catch us pursuing the world? Do they catch us on the couch again? Do they catch us worshiping things that are not Christ? May they catch us in pursuit and the love of the Lord. Because regardless of how they respond, that will make a big, huge impact. This is wisdom. This is what wisdom does. Wisdom leads to a home that is strong and a home that is blessed. And thirdly, this wisdom leads to a home that is fruitful. Fruitful. Of course, wisdom leads to fruitfulness. We've learned that in this whole series. Fruitful and everyone in the home leads to wisdom, uh, fruit in the husband, in the wife, and the children. Now, all of these are a sermon itself, but let's go for it and let's see what we can come up with here. And I'm going to start here then. The fruit of wisdom in the home starts with a husband that is filled with love. Turn to Proverbs chapter 5. And man, you better be turning to Proverbs chapter 5, all right? Turn to Proverbs chapter 5, verse 15. Proverbs 5, verse 15. Thank you for encouraging your pastors. The pages turn. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Proverbs 5, verse 15. Now, the context of the entire chapter of Proverbs 5 is the father warning the son against the adulteress. I want you to make sure you know that. Proverbs 5, Proverbs 6, Proverbs 7, the whole, all these chapters dedicated to son, watch out for the adulteress. Watch out, watch out. Understand how serious this is. So notice in Proverbs 5, verse 15, he's talking now about the love that his son is to have for his one wife. Okay? Verse 15, drink water from your own cistern, flowing water from your own well. Should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets? Let them be for yourself alone and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. A lovely deer, it's beautiful. A graceful doe, I love that. Let her breasts fill you at all times with delight, be intoxicated always in her love. Amen, amen. Look at verse 20. Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman and embrace the bosom 
of an adulteress. Again, the context is a father teaching his son. He is eagerly and urgently directing his son on the path of wisdom. And in this case, what the father is saying here is saying, my son, my son, your love is for your wife. Your love is for your wife alone. Now, one of the things I wish more dads would do in this day, I wish more dads would be able to talk to their sons in this way. I wish more dads, like look at the intimacy and the details and how vulnerable the father is with the son and just how, how clearly he's communicating a heart of what it means to love his wife, the gift of God. I wish, I wish more dads in our day would have the courage and not be embarrassed and just feel the urgency to sit down. My son, let me teach you what it means. And one of the problems with this is that you can't teach what you don't know. See, but you're not saying you're a perfect dad, but you're saying, I believe in the principles here. And then you admit in your own sense, I have to be better with, with your mom, and I, I have to be better as a husband this way. But to have the courage to sit down and say, my son, see, the father's filled with wisdom because he has the wisdom to share. My son, this is how you love a woman. This is how you love one woman. This is how you will become intoxicated with her love. I wish more dads would do that in our day. It's so utterly critical that we can pass on this wisdom or this area of life that can often make a home or break a home. Hey, listen, your, your time's not up, dads. You still have time. It's still opportunities to share the wisdom humbly. I'd love to see more dads do this. It's so important. But notice the plea from the father to the son. He says in verse 15, he says, my son, drink water from your own sister, meaning your love is to be focused my son, don't allow your love to go to strangers. Don't let your love spill like water into the streets and to other people. Your love is to stay at home with your, with your wife. That's why Jesus said, quoting Genesis, therefore a man shall leave father and mother and hold fast. Hold fast literally is cemented. My son, be cemented to your wife as you become one flesh. The father's saying here in Proverbs 5, my son, be blessed with your wife. Rejoice in your wife of your youth. She is lovely. She is beautiful. She's a gift from God. Enjoy her as God's gift. Be intoxicated with her love. My son, do not be drunk with the world. Don't be drunk in the sexual idolatry and sensual idolatry of the world. My son, get off the couch and love your wife. And notice what he says next in verse 20. He says, why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman and embrace the bosom of an adulteress? I believe so strong that one of the greatest killers of sexual intimacy and just love within a marriage, one of the greatest killers of intimacy within marriage is sexual addictions or idolatry outside of marriage. Uh, so many men are filling their minds and therefore hearts with so many sensual images and spreading the affection that is reserved for their wife and worshiping other things of evil and sick lives of Satan on images and other people and thoughts and fantasies that so many men are spreading their love to the, to the, to the pit of hell that they come back home there's nothing left. They don't have any sense of purity and beauty and love. Because they've taken the bait of the adulteress and they've walked down the path and then they come home and there is no burden. There is no delight in, in, in their wife. There is no sense of, wow, you are the most beautiful woman that I could see because God wants to do that in your life. God wants to create the fact and the truth that your wife is the most beautiful woman that you know because that's what the Holy Spirit does. It's a supernatural thing. God can do that. God can do that. God can do that. He does that in the man who wants it to be true and follows him in this way. 
That's what the Spirit of God does. And we have to start believing that right now. See, wisdom, wisdom, and this is such a good call for young men and old men and for husbands and for young men who desire to be husbands. Wisdom sees and understands that the sensual idolatry of our world is sick and satanic. Wisdom understands and sees that the sexual addicted system of our society promises pleasure but delivers destruction. Wisdom knows and understands that a moment of sinful pleasure results in a lifetime of regret. Wisdom understands and knows verse 21 right here. Verse 21, they know. For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord. Wisdom knows that. Wisdom knows they can get away with nothing. God sees everything. They know that God ponders all his paths. Wisdom sees these things. Wisdom knows these things and says, it is not, it is not worth it. Just to give you a sense of how serious God is about this issue, I want you to look at Proverbs 7 with me. Proverbs 7, verse 21. (coughs) Proverbs 7, verse 21. Now remember, this whole chapter, the chapters that we're looking at, all these chapters here, are specifically talking about the warnings against the adulteress. Verse 21 says, with much seductive speech, she persuades him. Now, seductive speech by the adulteress here. This could be a physical woman that comes into your life trying to lure you away from your family. It could be an image on the internet. It could be a message on TV. It could be a billboard somewhere. It could be a conversation with a friend going down the wrong path. There's so many wicked ways that Satan is at work trying to destroy lives and specifically destroy the hearts of men. All these things apply. Verse 21, with much seductive speech, she persuades him, and with smooth talk, she compels him. All the messages surrounding us all the time. You must see it for what it is. You must see men that these messages and these images you must see them for what they are they are smooth talk from the lies of hell they are seductive speech that are trying to destroy you trying to destroy when you click on the internet following the adulteress down the path you have to understand you are clicking your way to the path of death and hell you are clicking clicking your way on the way to following the path of Satan. when you see it that way when you see it for what it is and you recognize it's satanic in origin and it's trying to destroy your heart destroy your life destroy your affection destroy your relationship with god destroy your marriage when you see all these things you see the temptation for the image and you hate it you hate it you want to kill it you want to destroy it because you recognize it's not for your good it's trying to kill you and kill your life so an image is before you i hate you i hate you i hate you you are satanic you are trying to take my life down and because of that i reject you i destroy you i despise you get away from me get away from my life get away from my marriage get away from my relationship with my god get away from me altogether and don't come back my eyes are for the woman that god has given me as a gift from him, the wife of my youth, that's what wisdom sees and that's what wisdom desires to do. This is the power. This is the power of following him. Wisdom sees this. Wisdom sees it for what it is. And man, you can get there. You can get there. You can get there. You can see it as this is true and you can hate it for what it is and you can love good instead. How good a feeling that is to hate what is evil and love what is good, Romans 12. Notice what the Lord says to us right here in Proverbs 7, verse 22 now. All at once he follows her as an ox goes to the slaughter. See that? See that? Make that click. You're on your way to death. You sit on that image. You fantasize about that. You're on your way to death. As an ox goes to the slaughter. Or as a stag that is caught fast till an arrow pierces his liver as a bird rushes into a snare. Listen, he does not know it will cost him his life. 
Sounds good, feels good, looks good, let's do it. On your way to death. Wisdom. 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 Don't believe the don't believe the hype. Don't believe the lie. Men, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. Verse 24. And now, sons, listen to the father. Listen, 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 listen. Be attentive to my words, my mouth. Listen, son, listen, listen. You gotta listen to me. This is serious right here. Let not your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not strain to her paths. For many a victim she has laid low, and all her slain are a mighty throng. There are, there, are, there are millions of corpses on the street of men right now. Millions of corpses become the victim of the adulteress. Many a victim she has laid low. Verse 27. Her house is the way to hell. Her house is the way to Sheol going down to the chambers of death. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up and see the wisdom, to see the reality of what's going on. God help us. God help us. God help us. See the fruit of a husband that loves me. You have to see. You have to see the reality of what's going on. I want to turn back to Proverbs 5, verse 18 now. Because what I want you to see here is the love that the Bible speaks of is possible. You know, Verse 18, let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. A lovely deer, a graceful doe. Let her breast fill you at all times with delight, being intoxicated always in her love. You know, we read that and, and so many men are in a place where, can I really ever be that? Can, that? can that really ever happen within my life and marriage? The answer is yes. Yes, it can. The Lord is putting that here. Yes, we can love our wives as Christ loved the church. Yes, we can be in a place. See, we've been so cheapened in love. We've been so ruined in the concept of power and beauty and purity within love. But listen, you got to make sure you take the lies of hell and you smash it to pieces right here. Listen, man, man, look at me. You want to be a husband one day? Listen, you, you have to believe this right now from the word of God and the spirit of God. You can love your wife as Christ loved her. You can. You can. You can be intoxicated with the love of your wife. It can happen. This is what the spirit of God does. You can't do it in yourself, but it's Christ in you. And what you do, you're like, man, I'm so far from that. I can't, I can't even begin to imagine me being in this place that's happening. What you do is you take small steps of faith right now. And the first step is to believe. You believe it can. You trust the Lord, not yourself, not the world says. You trust what God says, and you take small steps. You go home. You don't say things that are hurtful. You admit when you're wrong. You seek to be a person who's serving your wife and being selfless in your actions. And when you mess up, because we do, you come back, you humble yourself. You start to believe in small steps that lead to big change. You pray about this. You are seeking to be filled with wisdom. You are going for the Lord. You are waking up and asking God to do what only he can. You rehearse the gospel. Your sins are forgiven. Whatever the past was, that's the past. Now it's the future, and you start to believe, and you start accumulating momentum of wisdom and grace and love and you start to see that momentum start to grow now and as God is working and you fall down you get back up and you fall in the ditch you get back on your bike and you keep riding and you're not discouraged by that and you see God start to slowly sow seeds of grace and love and power and purity and you're saying things differently and you're thinking differently and you're acting differently and people start to notice and God starts to bless and slowly but surely over days and weeks and months you be transformed into Jesus Christ and his grace in you starts to evidence fruit upon fruit fruit and love and things that you never thought were possible all of a sudden you're a man who's in love with his wife and sees her as beautiful as she really is and you're so devoted to her and you love her and you sacrifice for her and you want the best for her and you're amazed as you look and you say God look what you have done you've changed me you've changed me from what I used to be and now I genuinely genuinely look at my wife and I'll do anything for her and you can stare her in the face and say my love I've never loved you more 
then right now, and you mean it with all your heart, oh God, may it be so. That's what Jesus Christ does, and wisdom believes it. Foolishness says that's not possible. Wisdom says all things are possible in Jesus Christ, and I trust in him, and he will do this for me as I take small steps of faith and obedience in the power of the gospel, believing in mighty and fantastic change. This is what God can do. And this is what God says to us today. You can be in the place, husband, that you are drunk with love for your wife as opposed to being drunk in the sexual, satanic, sensual idolatry of our world. This is the opportunity Christ puts before us today again. And wisdom says, I believe it. Wisdom says, I believe it. The fruit of wisdom in a home is a husband filled with love. And this is next. Well, let me just say this before I get there. Women, in this, in this space of a husband being filled with love for you, the wise woman knows this, that you can make it easy on your husband and you can make it hard. Don't make it harder than it has to be, women. The wise woman understands that God's design for purity and health within marriage is that intimacy is a big part of that. The wise woman will never take the act of intimacy or this whole sense of love in this way, will never hold that against her husband as something that he has to earn. The wise woman will never do that. That's such, a, that's such a terrible sin that way. Women, don't do that. Selflessness is what wins marriage. Selflessness from the man, selflessness from the woman. It's the love of Christ. It's not you owe me, you do this, I need it. It's, it's we love each other. We, we put ourselves forward together. That's where the power comes. That's what wisdom does. The wise woman knows this understands this and trusts God through it. So much we could say about that. I'm praying the Lord will help us to understand. A husband filled with love, here's the next fruit of a home of wisdom and fruitfulness is an excellent wife. Turn Proverbs 12, verse 4. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 4, an excellent wife. The fruit of a wise home will be an excellent wife. That's such a great term. Notice verse 4. Notice the contrast here. It's quite profound. An excellent wife is the crown of her husband, but she who brings shame is like rottenness in his bones. Wow. I mean, the contrast between excellence and a crown and then shame and rotting bones. The excellent wife can be translated here a virtuous woman, a wife of noble character, a worthy wife. You know, there's no question that the bar high, uh, the bar here is high, but Notice, the excellent wife aspires to substantial things, and I want to take some fruits of the excellent wife from Proverbs 31. The excellent wife, she will be faithful. She will be pure. She will be respectfully submissive. She will be immovable in affection. I love that. The excellent wife, she will delight to see her husband honored, not, not cutting him at the knees, not, not taking him down with, with hurtful words, but delighting to see her husband honored, the, the excellent wife will seek to cover her husband's failings, will be prudent in the management of the family. She'll be a lover of the home. And most of all, the excellent wife is a woman who seeks to fear the Lord. Again, this is an, this is an excellent wife. Now, in one sense, you start going through the list of Proverbs 31, and women, isn't this true? I mean, not that I really know, but, but isn't this true that that list can be more discouraging than anything else? I mean, you look at this, and you see Proverbs 31, just like, really? Like, 
That seems like an awfully long to-do list. And look at me right now. I'm not, like, I'm not I'm doing like 10% of those things. And husbands, you can sit here and say, man, love my wife as Christ off the church. Are you kidding me? Like, I'm just trying to get through another day. How can this possibly be true? Here's what I want you to see. You, you cannot be discouraged today with these to-do lists that are before you because what they are not, they are not to-do lists. They are, listen, listen, they are Christ in you lists. This is only accomplished through Christ in you. So instead of today hearing guilt and condemnation, I'm not, I'm not, I'm failing, I'm failing. In fact, I remember a woman came up last night in the service and she just had tears. She just broke down and she says, I, I failed as a wife. Now, I'm all for conviction, but my first response to her is to say, hey, listen, you look at me. Jesus Christ loves you and he forgives you. And that's why Jesus died. He died for your failings and my failings. And that's the whole point of the gospel. Today's a new day. And you take your past and you give it to Jesus Christ. And now you take your future and you give it to Jesus Christ. And you say, Lord Jesus Christ, I cannot do these things. I cannot be Proverbs 31 wife. I cannot be a husband that loves Christ in my own. But I can be with Christ in me. Because all the righteousness I have is found in Christ alone, alone. It's only his righteousness that is any good that lives in me. When I access that as the power of the gospel, then I start to see the opportunity. And there's a supernatural fruit that can come through my life as I apply the gospel again and again as a husband or a wife that's what i want you to see today there's no hope in in and of themselves but in christ if we are in christ there's tremendous hope it's not a to-do list it's a christ in me list christ does it we surrender we ask we want we desire women catch the vision of god for your life catch god's vision for your life and believe christ in you is the one who can see this through proverbs 31 says an excellent wife who can find She is far more precious than jewels. Amen? Men? Amen. Amen. The fruit of a home of wisdom is a husband that loves, is a wife who is excellent, and thirdly this, it's children who bring joy. Last verse I'll look at, children who bring joy. Look at chapter 10, verse 1. Chapter 10 is a transition now from the first nine chapters of Proverbs. Chapter 10, it begins a second major section here within Proverbs. And we encounter this transition. We go from discourses of a father to a son and woman wisdom speaking to the foolishness of our world. And now we start to see here, notice this transition. And the first verse in this transition of chapter 10 is not there by accident. It almost summarizes the first nine chapters. Notice Proverbs 10 verse 1. A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. See the fruit of wisdom. Say, oh my son, oh my son, would you walk in wisdom? Because wisdom leads to joy found within the home, the joy of parents, but foolishness leads to sorrow. It's almost like, again, the whole truth summarized in this one sentence. Wisdom in the child brings joy and gladness to the parent, brings joy and gladness to the home. In 3 John 1, John says, I have no greater joy than to hear my children are walking in the truth. John here is referring to spiritual children, but this does not diminish the impact of biological children being in the same place. You know, just recently heard about children in our midst confessing sin seems genuine, an appetite for God's word, contemplating baptism, and the joy it brings to parents and spiritual parents in this church setting to see children's hearts being turned with true transformation. What kind of joy does that bring? It brings so much joy. It's the prodigal son who returns and the father with extended arms and the tears and the love and the joy. This is the impact of wisdom. It's so true that a wise son makes a glad father but a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. And you know, today what I want to do as I end this message, I want to especially appeal to the young people in our midst. I want to especially appeal and exhort to you in wisdom. 
Young people here today, you must understand the starting point for wisdom is the Lord Jesus Christ. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, the gospel of Jesus Christ, which allows us to see the fear of the Lord. Young people here today, the gospel, the gospel, the gospel. Young people, I appeal to you, all people, but especially young people, I appeal to you, consider your life today. Consider your ways today. Consider your path. Isaiah says, hear that your soul may live. Would you hear today? Would you have ears that can hear and eyes that can see? Young people, I just, I just, I plead with you to wake up, to get your head out of the sand just enough to look around and see the urgency of our day, to look around just enough to recognize this world is bigger than you, to look around just enough and see this world is not just about you and about your desires and your popularity and your vanity, whatever else it may be, to look around just, just, just enough wisdom to see that our world is getting very, very small and the impact and the reality that Jesus Christ is going to return so soon. I mean, just look around just enough to understand the Middle East is a nightmare, economies hanging on by a thread, pandemic diseases are spreading, countries at war and the brink of war, evils gathering more momentum than ever, persecution of Christians at an all-time high, all of this the Bible predicts, young man or woman, when will you wake up long enough to say I cannot continue to live for myself and my sin? I mean, do you really think that life's going to go through and you'd be sitting there on a beach sometime at age 60 and just enjoying all the riches of life and casually going through and then you're going to die and then what? And then what? There's more to life than you. There's more to life than this world. There's more to life than just our desires. There's so much more to this life. His name is Jesus Christ. He is real. He died for you. He was raised from the dead for you. And listen, listen today. He loves you. He loves you. Young person, old person, doesn't matter today. The gospel I exhort you in, I proclaim to you. Oh, that you be reconciled to Jesus Christ. Could you look up today, young person, and see I need Jesus Christ to look around to say, what is my life really about? What am I really living for? The Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, hear the promise, you shall be saved. Jesus said, let your hearts not be troubled. Believe in God, Jesus said. Believe also in me. Jesus also said, whoever is ashamed of me and of my words of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in glory and of glory of the Father and of the holy angels, and so soon Jesus Christ will return in glory, and when the trumpet sounds, as we say, and he does return, whose side will you be on? There's one of two people in this world. There's one of two people for Christ, against Christ. That's it. That's it. For Jesus Christ, against Jesus Christ. And the time will come so very soon where that is made abundantly clear. Oh, young person, oh, old person, oh, any person here today, would you wake up and look up long enough to understand that this world is bigger than us and we were created for the glory of another, for Jesus Christ. And listen, to receive his love, to know his love and to take by grace. You can't earn this salvation. You receive the gift of grace through faith, through faith and forgiveness of your sins. And when, when this happens in your life, you have wisdom from God, you'll never be the same again. What greater joy will a parent see? But you don't do it for your parent. You, you do because you love the Lord Jesus Christ and you desire to find eternal life and you desire to be set free from your sins. I'm going to pray a prayer right now. And if anyone is here today and you desire to be set free from sin in Jesus Christ, then you can, you can pray with me right now. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Father, I do pray if anyone is here right now who is seeing for the first time, who is believing for the first time, who is feeling the truth for the first time, I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, they would pray with me right now and they would say, oh, Lord Jesus Christ, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. 
or Lord Jesus Christ, I pray, Lord, you would come and live within me, Lord. You would cause me to know the realities of eternal life, and you would save me from death. Oh, God, Jesus Christ, I, I believe in you. I give you my life. I want to live for what actually matters. I want the truth to be known in my heart. Would you, oh, Lord, take residence in me that I may never die again? I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. I believe in my heart that, God, you raised him from the dead. And therefore, oh God, I take the promise that I shall be saved. Oh God, would you save young people in our midst today? Would you call them, Lord, from stop rejecting the Lord and running away? The selfishness would be just thrown down and eliminated, Lord. All the excuses would be gone. And I pray, Lord, any person of any age here today would see you and love you and embrace you for who you are, the Son of God, the Lord of the universe. It's the gospel, Lord, that leads to wisdom. It's the gospel that transforms us. It's the gospel that saves us. Oh God, may many be praying that prayer even now and sing with a new heart, with a revived heart, with a loud heart, the glories of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's all for you, Lord. It's always for you and only for you. In Jesus' name, amen.